0: Everyone, it's Lou Rosenfeld. Welcome to the latest Rosenfeld Review podcast. I'm here with David Cronin, who is the VP of UX at GE Digital. How you doing, Dave?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Lou.
0: Great to have you on the show. Um, I know Dave um, well. You probably know Dave because um, he worked at a, a little firm that uh, did interaction design consulting uh, in, in the Bay Area called Cooper. Uh, uh managed to be one of the co-authors i think it was the third edition right of uh, about Face?
1: yes that's right the third and fourth editions right
0: uh, i i think with each new edition uh someone got uh tasked with taking the lead and if i understand it right then you, you were the you, you drew the card for uh, the the straw for edition 3 um and uh i think um Chris Nessel, who, uh, who just, uh, we just put his book out this week, um, uh, was the lead on, on Edition 4. So you're in good company. But anyway, people know about Face. Uh, they know Cooper. And uh, since leaving Cooper, uh, Dave Cronin uh, has been at GE Digital, which is a really interesting organization. Uh, and um, is really at the forefront of what I might call design ops. We certainly had uh, Dave on the program at Enterprise UX 2015, the first one, and uh, it was a great program, and I think for a lot of people, your talk, Dave, was one of the highlights. Um, Not to butter you up too much, but you really gave um, uh, the first talk I ever heard on design systems and maybe on design ops, and uh, people were going nuts. I I mean, I I think, you know, I, I don't mean to to both butter you up and and give you a hard time at the same time. But you ran a little long. Uh, You maybe were the only talk that ran long. And we let you run long, because I think if we would have pulled you down uh, off the stage, uh, there would have been villagers with pitchforks and torches coming after us. It was just like people were dying. They loved it. How would you explain your success, Mr. Cronin? Why why, why was your talk so well-received?
1: Well, first, thank you for the kind words and for the patience while I was on stage. I was certainly having fun up there. Uh, you know, I think that the the idea of a design system is has resonated with a lot of people because it's about creating efficiencies and economies of scale for design within ent- enterprises, right? We have um, a, a really demanding job to do as designers in enterprises if we really fulfill the full promise of design, we're focused both on that first diamond or triangle, the definition aspect of we're really trying to figure out what a product should be and, and how we're going to deliver um, meaningful and desirable capabilities to our customers. And then we have to work really hard on delivering that product, right? And, and we often go back and forth between those two things. And that's, that's quite a juggling act, I think, for most designers and design organizations. Uh, to to fulfill and I think one of the things that we found at GE uh, and I think other organizations have found as well is this idea of systematizing design patterns can create efficiencies in both of those areas and they can create acceleration. They can make sure that teams are having the right conversations not always about what color a button is but really about how do we meaningfully orchestrate capabilities uh, to deliver value to customers or to, to end users. And, and so it's a, it's a really great enabler. And I think, you know, as I look across the design community, there are a lot of people that grapple with how do we do this and how do we do this at scale and how do we do this with with, with velocity and tempo so that we're really able to m- make impact with, with design ideas.
0: Well, it, it seems to me that it's kind of a, a natural continuation from... Uh, the, uh, the staffing up phase that a lot of large organizations are, are going through when it comes to design and, and user research and, and related areas. So, like I always think of IBM, whatever, they, they just brought on 1,000 or 1,500 designers, and that's great. Now what? Uh, how do those, pe- those people, very quickly, I imagine, and I imagine this was the case uh, and still may be at GE, those people are gonna be uh, in demand uh, even at that scale. There's just probably not enough of them to go around. So, um, I mean is that really the challenge we're, we're solving with design systems to enable them to, to stop reinventing the wheel uh, and focus on kind of more challenging problems instead of the sort of day-to-day more mundane design challenges? Or are we also creating systems to help people that aren't really designers to start doing some form of design, like it may be a developer or it may be someone in a customer service center who uh, has to deliver information to agents or whatever it might be. Aren't there a lot of non-designers that ultimately need to be helped?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've, you know, our design journey at GE has gone through several phases and with each of these moments in time, the design system has played a different role. Um, and I don't think it's ever stopped playing roles, but it starts to take on new roles and has new constituents. When we started um, back in 2012 with our first version of the design system, we were a design thought leadership organization for all of GE with a really small number of people trying to make an impact on software development across a across, uh, 300,000 person organization with something like 40,000 software developers. And so our first set of priorities was not how do we create a design system that enables a distributed set of designers to come up with cohesive products because we didn't have a distributed set of designers. There was only a couple of us. So our first job was the job that you're talking about is how do we enable teams that don't have designers to do an okay job, an adequate job, of creating decent software product, and then as designers came on, how do we enable them to work in a coherent way, reuse each other's work, stop reinventing the wheel, and focus their creativity on the novel parts of problems? So it sort of evolved from from enabling developers and product managers to have conversations with design without designers to the second era for us we were an internal shared services organization and so what that meant is we were like a consultancy for all of GE and we in fact had dedicated teams for each major GE business, GE Aviation, GE Power, GE Oil and Gas, GE Healthcare and so forth and in that era it was really about enabling this consulting organization to be efficient and effective and keeping them from having to have debates with stakeholders about the color of buttons or uh, navigation patterns so that they were really able to kind of think through customer outcomes and really focus the conversation a little bit more on that. But these were largely projects, design projects and software projects uh, in this kind of shared services model. This third era that we've come into is, you know, GE Digital is now a commercial software organization. And there are, commercial software organizations in each of the GE businesses. And we have user experience design teams in each of those organizations. So We've become highly distributed, but to a customer, um, to an energy customer, or an aviation customer, or to an oil and gas customer, they only think of there as being one GE. And and what we're attempting to do there is to create a coherent set of product offerings that feel like they're made by the same company and work really well with each other. And so the design system now is sort of taken on that role. It is now the role of, of being the single face of, of, of GE to our customers through our commercial products.
0: So in that last context, do you join with, uh, get absorbed by, or, or absorb the, the brand management activities that have already been going on, on uh, for GE most broadly?
1: You know, actually, that was in the second era that we had that responsibility. So as a shared services organization, we also had stewardship of the GE brand. Um, Andrew Crow, in fact, was our uh, global design director for for brand. uh, Working within that organization, really kind of trying to bring a brand design sensibility to the creation of not just software user experience. but uh, the experience our customers have when our field engineers arrive to do maintenance work on their uh, heavy equipment. And so it was really attempting to create a holistic sensibility around the the General Electric brand. In the the world we're in now, as we're focused more on the commercial software offerings and really delivering product, we focus on the brand identity of that product line, uh, which is the Predicts brand, which is related to the GE brand, and so it's, it's our, the scope of our attention with regards to the brand has gotten narrower, um, but we have much more specific ambitions, much more um, financially related uh, objectives with that brand work.
0: Can you talk a little bit about those?
1: Uh, well you know so GE is it's no secret that we have ambitions to be a great software company and we see software as critical to everything that we do from the design of our big equipment like jet engines and gas turbines to the way we maintain and service those for our customers um, and to the way our customers operate them and get value from having those be part of their operations and we believe that and have found that software is critical to how all of that works in the 21st century and that's not something you can outsource so we have ambitions to being a 15 billion dollar software company by the year 2020 and that's you know uh, a big change from a company that uh, wasn't sure whether it had any uh, opportunity to sell commercial software five or six years ago
0: so something interesting here so you have a situation at GE where you're obviously, as you say, you're you're trying to become a software company uh, at a scale that's that's uh, huge. You wouldn't just be a software company; you'd be one of the largest. But um, you already have. You couldn't exist if you hadn't, as a company, built up your operations expertise in all types of other contexts. So that might be supply, supply chain management, might be procurement, might be HR, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, how much are those existing operations, models, and and just the people who run those uh, as sources of expertise help you build operations to support design? That's a great question.
1: Um, what we've found is that the two things are pretty different. Um, you know, we, the way we talk about it internally is our digital industrial transformation. We will always be an industrial company. We make the world's best jet engines and gas turbines. Um, world's best MR machines and, and the engineering expertise to invent, design, manufacture, um, and maintain that equipment is is unparalleled and it's super impressive to me. And that will never go away. I think what we are working on is creating a layer of software around and amongst all of that. But it turns out that creating software is really different than creating physical stuff. That even with an incredibly complicated um, piece of machinery like a jet engine, there's a level of predictability about it because we've been doing it for so long, because we know the material science, because we've launched so many new jet engines that enable us to take a, let's say, traditional industrial management approach to to shipping those products. And we are very good at it and, and we have leaned out those processes and made them as efficient as possible but it is based upon the idea that you can design a product up front, work through the design for manufacture, then manufacture that product as different phases that can nicely dovetail together. I think what we have all observed about the creation of software products, and in particular complex systems, is that it's very difficult to do upfront design um, and then go manufacture it after the design, that there's much more of an iterative feedback loop involving design, the creation of, of the product, and then also customer feedback. And, and so as we, you know, build our operations around enabling that virtuous circle, we really have had to take a different approach to to operationalizing the creation of software than we would take with big industrial equipment.
0: Well, I, I get that.
1: Uh, I mean, you know,
0: your former colleague, Greg Petroff, actually gave a, a great... Uh, opening keynote in Enterprise UX 2016 about uh, software as a design material and, and uh, I was just talking about it with someone earlier today it, 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 it's definitely uh, a great framing uh, but um, you know it, it also points out the differences between software and and physical objects that you're you're, you're trying to develop and bring to market. but that said, uh, in a setting like GE, whether you're creating the jet engine or you're creating the, the software to support the jet engine, you still have things to deal with in terms of not just scale, but complexity and, and, and polit- the politics of, of the silos. The silos are the same. Um, isn't there something that, you know, it might be... I'm, I'm not trying to fish here, but I'm just... i, I got to think... It, it's still helpful to understand... How, for example, you can operationalize recruiting to bring on talent for uh, your design organization uh, f- by learning from how they did it with jet engineer, jet engineers. Uh, am I fishing too much, or is it really uh, not that clear a connection between the operations expertise uh, that you can bring from one to this new context?
1: Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of cross pollination that happens, and you know. GE has a learning facility up on the Hudson River. We invest a lot of money in education. Uh, I think we report that we invest a billion dollars a year across the corporation in education. And and when you go to this learning center or other learning centers around the world, you do get the chance as a digital person to get to interact with these industrial people. And I'm completely in awe of these men and women who ship and maintain these incredibly sophisticated products. And I think there is a level of rigor and courage and determination, almost more of a mindset about how this is done that we certainly do take inspiration from, and that cross pollinates the way that we work. Um, I think we, we, however, it's interesting to think about that even that part of GE has been undergoing a massive transformation over the last five years into becoming more of an agile organization, more uh, focused on. You know, learning from customers, um, enabling um, self-organizing teams to uh, take ownership over their own success, and and this isn't necessarily in direct opposition to our history of lean manufacturing and Six Sigma and all of the things um, that you would find jokes about in 30 Rock. But it isn't. There is an evolution to the way that the industrial side of GE is working that I think is making it much more actually like. The West Coast and East Coast software cultures, or I'd say the global software culture.
0: It's interesting.
1: You know, you mentioned
0: training and that facility up on the Hudson. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that seems like an area that um, training is is definitely part of the the operationalizing of design. And and, uh, are your design people being trained in in that setting, just like your engineers might be, or are they in separate?
1: Are the programs completely separate? No, absolutely. Um, Most of that training, a good portion of that training is dedicated to leadership behaviors. And GE has a long tradition of training and creating great leaders. And so I think, and when we talk about a great leader, we might be talking about someone who's a manager who has direct reports, or we might be talking about an individual contributor who is a technical leader, a chief engineer, who provides technical leadership to the design of a jet engine, but doesn't maybe even have engineers reporting to them. And those leadership behaviors are really a lot of what our education programs are focused on. There are technical skill training as well. Usually when I hire a designer or we hire a designer at GE, we believe that we're looking for people that already have great design skills, and we will ensure that they continue to have great opportunities to learn, but a lot of what we're looking to do through these educational opportunities and this cross-pollination with the rest of GE is how do we expose them to these leadership attitudes and cultures and mindsets and skills that are the way that GE has been successful in all of these industries? So I think that may be the thing. If we take anything from the rest of GE, it is that.
0: Well, speaking of
1: education
0: and going beyond GE, um, uh, part of the reason I'm, I'm, I'm talking with you is that we are putting on the very first Design Ops Summit, We uh, Mean Rosenfeld Media, and it's going to take place in New York City November 6th through 8th just signed a contract on a venue, now we just gotta put together a program. I'm certainly hoping you'll be there in in one way or another. Um, If you were putting on a program, or putting together a program for uh, people to come together to start making sense of design ops together, uh, and and start actually um, learning how to do it, you know, these are the people that may not be where you are at this moment in their careers, but maybe they're two, three years behind you. what do you think they need to know? What What should that program contain?
1: Yeah, great question. First of all, I'd be thrilled to be there. It sounds like a um, it's an awesome idea for a conference and a conversation. I think it's it's much needed. It's maybe the double click on this idea of enterprise UX. Like, how do we actually make this all work? Um, you know, if I reflect on what I've learned at GE and the challenges and successes of, of our design organizations, I would say one of the key skill sets is how do designers enable and facilitate cross-functional conversations about design, but also the product itself, right? Um, We, one of the things we do in the Predicts organization here at GE Digital is as part of our release planning process, which is kind of a bottom-up approach to release planning that you would find a lot of Agile organizations, is we expect the designers to facilitate a conversation with product managers and engineering leaders to storyboard out the key ideas in in that release. And in some cases, those storyboards are user interface storyboards. In other cases, they may be storyboards that talk about how data travels around in systems. And in other cases, those storyboards are about people in the physical world doing physical work. And that's an example of a skill set that I have seen our team be really successful with. And what's really critical that we've found about it is it's not about designers going off and making storyboards. That's completely the wrong approach. What, the, what has to happen is that design has to facilitate that conversation, where the, whereby the whole team arrives at a set of storyboards that embody a shared vision. And, and I see that as the kind of thing that successful design organizations, or organizations that successfully employ design, do a really good job at. Um, and there's a lot of approaches to it, but how do you have that conversation about the what, about product market fit? And and then the flip side of it is how do you have a cross-functional conversation about the specifics of a product user interface, right? So it's not opinion versus opinion, but a data-based and thoughtful conversation about, is this good enough to ship? Is this gonna meet someone's needs? How do we need to improve this to make it better? And again, that's Healthy design organizations are really good at that conversation, um, and, you know, we put a lot of energy into trying to get better and better about that conversation.
0: Well, uh, I mean, that was a, a theme, certainly, uh, of pretty much everything we've talked about today. It, it sort of centers around having better, more productive conversations with different people involved. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful we'll be able to pull that off in November when we get to a number of people in the room to make sense out uh, of design operations. I'm hopeful we'll... won't be uh, just designers there. We'll have people who have, um, as I was saying earlier, uh, great deep experience in operations from, from other areas that would be interesting to mix into the conversation and learn from, as well as uh, people who've, uh, like yourself... Uh, uh, helped uh, operationalize design in mature organizations like GE, and we, we're we're looking to maybe also bring in some people uh, to talk about operations in organizations that have all, that have always had design in their DNA, like let's say a Facebook or an Etsy, organizations that are much newer uh, than a GE or an IBM. Uh, I think uh, all these different perspectives are going to be great to learn from and. Uh, Great to learn from you today, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. David Cronin, VP of User Experience at GE Digital. And uh, great to have you on the show.